Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. This is Prairie Rizopolis. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. And we're sticking with our spiritual spring cleaning, our spring cleaning for the soul today. And we're going to be looking at Pema Chodron. I'm inspired to return to some of these ideas. Today, we're going to return to two we've already discussed, really because they keep coming up in my own life, my own thinking, but also I'm reading midterm papers. And one of the exercises we do is I ask students to think about and write about two different philosophical pathologies or spiritual ailments or sicknesses, diagnose them, define them, describe them, and then using our philosophical anthology that I made for the class, provide some antidotes with various philosophers, right? So I think Pema does a great job here. And she connects two things, like I said, we've already discussed, but I'm having a day, so this is good for me too. And I'm actually glad that I took the time to open this book specifically because, again, you always find stuff when you read the Pocket Pema Chodron. It's a great read. So she's talking here in the two sections I'm going to share about anger and patience and impatience. And for me, when I think about today, I just feel angry. I feel a little bit angry. And it's like nine o'clock in the morning. And I think the reason for that, aside from the practical thing of I didn't find parking last night, so I had to go out and move it at eight, which is a small thing and I am letting it aggravate me. But the reason it's aggravating me is because I couldn't record this as I wanted to early enough in the morning because I was like in my mind getting, you know, getting, let's say not ready to go at eight because I was up at like 6.30. So it's not like I'm waking up and I'm immediately angry about moving the car, but I just had a couple other things I want to do, a little research, and my morning felt sort of pressured, right? And by that, I don't just mean, okay, I didn't have time to do everything because that's part one of it. Part two of it is the lack of patience I have with myself. Right. So instead of saying like, oh, I could record later and nothing would happen or I can do this research later and everything will be fine. I put a pressure on myself to do things right away. I put pressure on myself to do things in a specific order. I put pressure on myself to do things with a, a specific amount of intensity or perfection. And I think ultimately patience with myself, as Pema will suggest, is kind of the solution there. Right. And a lot of my students have also been writing about irrational anger. So I think the first part will address that. And a part of that anger that, uh, or let's say a part of the anger can be solved or can be cured to an extent for Pema's perspective with some patience. So I think these two readings will go nicely together. And for me, again, like this is such an organic result of, in all honesty, pressuring myself to do this in some kind of way at a certain time with a certain degree of effectiveness. And I'm realizing a lot of that just comes from a lack of patience. And once again, something I chronically deal with is that idea of pressuring myself, right? So I think patience is an antidote to pressure. And then when we deal with the pressure, we don't get angry with ourselves or we don't get as angry with ourselves. And I think the quickest way to be angry with others is to be angry with ourselves. And I'm seeing family tonight and I don't want to go into the house angry because it just creates a situation where you're more easily provoked into saying or doing things that are not even fair to the person, right? It's not righteous anger. It's an anger that you just couldn't get rid of from eight hours ago, and here we are, right? So with that in mind, let's see what Pema Chodron has to offer us here. The first section is called, When Anger Arises, Remember to Pause. And she writes, When you feel like a keg of dynamite just about to go off, patience means just slowing down at that point. So let me pause here. You feel it rising up. And like I just said, I know that if I don't handle this now, I'm going to be that keg of dynamite at the house later when I go see my family. Don't want to be there, right? So I'm going to pause. I'm going to be patient with myself. 
And she says, instead of immediately acting on your usual habitual response, you refrain from acting, stop talking to yourself and connect with the soft spot. But at the same time, you are completely and totally honest with yourself about what you are feeling. You're not suppressing anything. Patience has nothing to do with suppression. In fact, it has everything to do with a gentle, honest relationship with yourself. If you wait and don't fuel the rage with your thoughts, you can be very honest about the fact that you are, I'm sorry, you can be very honest with the fa about the fact that you long for revenge. Nevertheless, you keep interrupting the torturous storyline and stay with the underlying vulnerability. That frustration, that uneasiness and vulnerability is nothing solid, and yet it is painful to experience. Still, just wait and be patient with your anguish and with the discomfort of it. This means relaxing with that restless, hot energy, knowing that it's the only way to find peace for ourselves or the world. So, before we move on to the next reading, I think it warrants mentioning that sometimes venting works for me, at least. I think venting might be a good idea. Just get it off your chest, right? She's suggesting, I think, something slightly different, more similar to what I just did a moment ago, where instead of just getting angry and yelling or getting angry and staying angry, I can sort of calmly unpack right, what's actually happening here. I think to some extent that's a pause, right? I'm stopping and I'm kind of surveying the internal scene. Where I'm asking questions of myself, as we said, questions almost always make you and other people pause. It asks us to think. Statements are, this is annoying, this is aggravating, I'm angry. None of that will really be helpful. None of that will create the patience through the pause. Whereas the question, I think, will do that, right? Instead of suppressing it, stop being angry, this is stupid, whatever, right? It's about creating a relationship. Once again, dialogue is always healthy for relationships if it's done authentically and with respect and justice, right? And questions ask us to sit with ideas. Statements do not, right? So I think the questioning method here, we get a little Socrates as always, right? Or, you know, pretty much almost always. Uh, that's a way to, I think, embody or practice the type of patience that she's characterizing. So when you get angry, that's even a mantra, right? Look, slow down, pause. Let me be patient with myself instead of launching off into statement making or using our words negatively and using our actions negatively. Don't suppress it. Again, don't try to get rid of it. Question it. And try to do that with kindness. Right? So let's go on to the next quote real quick. A little more elaboration. We'll make some connections. So this section is called The Perfection of Patience. Patience is not learned in safety. It is not learned when everything is harmonious and going well. When everything is smooth sailing, who needs patience? And I'm going to pause here for a second, right? This is great because I think it reminds me of the Stoics a little bit, right? Specifically Epictetus. How can we look at difficult things in life as opportunities to cultivate patience? If patience is a virtue, we should want it, right? We should want to have it as a part of who we are. We should want to have it ready to go, right? So, if we look at life's inconveniences, let's say, and life's difficulties as fertile ground to cultivate patience, that's kind of like redefining them in a good way. And it also might help us be patient, right? So we're killing a couple birds with one stone there, which is cool. So let me get back to her. If you stay in your room with the door locked and the curtains drawn, everything may seem harmonious, but the minute anything doesn't go your way, you blow up. 
There is no cultivation of patience when your pattern is to just try to seek harmony and smooth everything out. Patience implies willingness to be alive rather than trying to seek harmony. And willingness to be alive, I think for, from Pema's perspective, and this is Epictetus too a little bit, right? We means we accept that things are going to go wrong. We accept that we will be wrong. We will accept that others will do things that are wrong. It's a part of what it means to be alive and human. So patience implies dealing with these external problems and these internal problems. It doesn't involve, as she's saying here, locking yourself in and away from the world and even locking away parts of yourself from yourself. It's not what patience is. And if we want to be patient, we have to face those things, right? So, and this is a cool kind of, I guess like zoological or I don't know, a hermit well known for his austerity, that word hermit, right? Like a hermit crab I think of, and this is obviously a person. A hermit well known for his austerity had been meditating in a cave for 20 years. An unconventional teacher named Patrul Rinpoche showed up at the cave and the hermit humbly and sweetly welcomed him in. Patrul Rinpoche said, tell me, what have you been doing here? I've been practicing the perfection of patience, the hermit answered. And I love this image and again, it's, it's a story here as a person. I love the image of the hermit, right? So I, I say that because one of my uh, professors who I'm working with now, Dr. Ruth, she talks about how she has turtles all over her house, like physical, not actual, like live turtles. Um, she has uh, like, I guess, statues of turtles and like stuffed animal turtles and her favorite animal is the turtle. So the, the turtle in her perspective, I think it's pretty cool, has to stick its neck out. It has to, right? To see the world, to function in the world, it can't stay in its shell. So a hermit is like the opposite of that, right? A hermit crab, I guess they would be similar though, right? But I think when we think of hermit in the context Pemetra is using it here, it's to imply that that is someone who stays in their shell. Whereas a turtle is someone who sticks their neck out, takes risks, right? Is in the world, is, an, is more of an active participant in the world. And there's lots of other great... I mean, I'm thinking of this now, which is cool, but also a turtle moves slowly, right? Think about patience, the turtle and the hare, right? The hare moves quick, runs into problems. The turtle takes their time, runs into less problems. That is such a bad way to look at that metaphor or such an overly simplified way. But ultimately, turtles, hermits, rabbits, I won't get into bears right now. It's one of my favorite animals to think about. Um, but these are interesting analogies, right? So she's like, again, she's likening a person to a hermit here. And we could also liken ourselves to a turtle maybe in regards to today's thing. A turtle is not afraid to stick its head out and move at its own pace. And that's a necessary part of what it means to be a turtle, right? So moving on here, putting his face very close to the hermit's face, Patrol Rinpoche said, but a pair of old scoundrels like us, we don't care anything about patience really. We only do this to get everyone's admiration, right? We just do this to get people to think we are big shots, don't we? And the hermit started getting irritated, but Patrul Rinpoche wouldn't stop. He just kept laughing and patting him on the back and saying, yeah, we sure know how to do people, don't we? We really know. I'll bet they bring you lots of gifts, don't they? At this point, the hermit stood up and screamed, why'd you come here? Why are you tormenting me? Go away and leave me in peace. Then Rinpoche said, so now, where is your perfection of patience? So that's the point. We can create the ideal situation in which we have a very high opinion of ourselves. But how do we do when it comes to the big squeeze, the collision of our vision with the reality of the situation? So I think the moral of that story is, and like I said, we, and as she's saying, we cannot lock ourselves away from ourselves. We have to face those things that we want to avoid at times to cultivate patience. 
and we can't lock ourselves away from the world. Because if we do that, we lack the training and patience such that when we're provoked, we immediately get angry or we quickly get angry. So we can't think of ourselves as, let's say, patient people if we're never actually putting that to the test or if that is never tested. And we should not deliberately avoid testing the patients. And that's a great phrase too, right? Don't test my patients. We should try to avoid, let's say, very provoking situations, I would say, or situations that are provoking and there isn't something meaningful that will come as a result of that provocation, which is to say some people we don't have to put in our lives every day, right? Just as one example, we don't have to do things just because they're difficult, right? If they're difficult and they lead to something good, that's what we should do. And within that process, we'll likely cultivate a whole lot of patience, right? So when your anger rises up in you, don't ignore it. Don't fight it. Be patient with it. That's a pathway to dealing with our anger. And we even have in this story, right, the idea of someone becoming angered when their patience was tested because they'd insulated themselves as a hermit would, right, in the world, such that even the slightest provocation launched them into anger. So how good are you, let's say, at calming down when you feel as though you're being provoked? And let me make this clear too. Sometimes you are in fact being provoked. And sometimes that provocation does necessitate a response, in my opinion. And some philosophers would disagree with that. I think that some provocations require a response from you in a way that isn't 100% kind or soft-spoken, right? I think sometimes, again, we talked a little bit, I think about righteous anger. Sometimes you have the right to be angry and you can express that and you should. But we want to make sure, you know, especially for those of us who are provoked like I am today by having to move my car at eight o'clock, that's not necessary. I have to be better at that, right? I have to be better at realizing that the real reason for the anger is my own pressure on myself. It's not a big deal to go move the car, right? It literally is a block. Now I'm embarrassing myself. It's a block away from the front door of my apartment, right? So it's really not a big deal. Um, but it was that patience and that questioning that is now putting me in a better mood. I was able to record now before I couldn't focus because I was distracted by just being frustrated. I kept messing up and like having to re-record, right? Um, once I gave myself the questions that created the patience, that kind of calmed the anger down a little bit, right? And I'm learning about myself too. Today, I was too easily provoked. I have to get better at that. So that's now, you know, that to say now is, is an overstatement. That's always been a part of the spiritual progress I've tried to make in my adult life. And I think Pema is giving us great advice here. Don't insulate, don't relegate, right? Face what provokes us within ourselves. Try to face what provokes us in the external world in a way that is characterized by patience, by questioning, and by kindness with ourselves and kindness with others overall. And we leave room for that righteous anger when and if it's truthful and it's just. But ultimately, if you're leading a life right now characterized by being provoked easily, think about what Pema offered today. I hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.